from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Stephen Ellis on July 6, 2020. Steve is a lifelong student of spirituality and comparative religion. He was born in Oregon where he resides with his wife and practices his profession as a chiropractic physician. He's the author of 45 study guides and two booklets on the Baha'i faith. One collection of these study guides is called Baha'i Essentials. Steve has now published his first novel, called Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope. We talk about the inspiration behind writing a novel, and this one in particular. He covers the storyline of the book and reads an excerpt. I started the interview by asking Steve where he grew up, and what was religious life like growing up. I grew up in Oregon. I was born in Oregon City, so I'm an Oregonian from the beginning till this point. I grew up mostly in a little small town called Tai Valley. I went to grade school there and high school nearby in another little town and was married here and then um, started working here and eventually moved to a little place called Ontario, Oregon over on the Idaho border. Spent 10 years there and 10 years in Anchorage, Alaska and then I've moved back here. My family, my mother and father, did not attend churches, nor did they have any specific religion. So there wasn't much going on at home other than my grandfather, who was a member of the Assembly of God Church, and he took me to church quite often. You know, I was pretty young, so it didn't mean a lot to me at the time. So then I was about, oh... 10 or 12 years old, a number of kids my age in the local area decided we wanted to go to church and see if we could learn more about God. And so about a dozen of us went to this little Assembly of God church all on one Sunday. They were thrilled, of course, to have this little troop come in, and they took us into a Sunday school class, and we had lots of questions. They kind of had a curriculum they wanted to go by, But we had questions about who we were as spiritual beings and about God and about life and death. And we wanted to know all those things, but they didn't want to talk so much about that. So um, I think I attended twice and then didn't go again after that because it just didn't meet my needs at the time. So really didn't have much religion in my life at all until I was about 19. And then a young man introduced me to spirituality and uh, some of the Eastern religions, and it just really attracted my attention and set me on fire, and I haven't looked back since, hardly. That's interesting, Steve, that a bunch of 10 to 12-year-olds would, on their own, think about spirituality and God and decide to go to a church. That's an unusual crowd of kids. Yes. It was an unusual moment 
as I recall. Yeah. We would gather in this little town. The town only had less than 200 people, and we would gather on a weekend, maybe at the general store, and then we would go hiking. So we were together, you know, and we would have these conversations, and for some reason, this topic came up about that age, and we decided to explore it together. And you mentioned when you were 19, you got introduced to the Eastern religions. Take us further along on your journey as you were investigating these Eastern religions. Well, this friend of mine told me later, he says, I noticed your discontent in your questions about purpose in life and so forth. So he gave me a book. It contained a number of religious quotations in it and ideas about spirituality and religion. And it just seemed to hit a core with me. So I, I read it and then I asked him for more and he gave me more. I had a job in a sawmill. I was a tallyman. So I had breaks in between the time the lumber was coming by that I could read. And so I read a lot. I remember reading the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu religion, from cover to cover. And I was ready to become a Hindu once I read that. Mm. <laughs> and then I investigated it a little farther. And the outward form of the church and its organization didn't feel the same as what I had experienced when I read the book. So I kept investigating other religions and went to some of their meetings and explored thoroughly, I thought. I read the Bible. I read everything I could find. And then one day in a local newspaper, there was a little ad and it said, feel free to independently investigate the Baha'i faith. So I cut it out and put it in my wallet. The next time my wife and I went shopping, we called the number that was available there and they invited us to attend what was called a Baha'i fireside, which is really a, a short talk usually about some aspect of the Baha'i faith. And then there are a number of questions are proposed and answered, and there's a conversation that takes place. It was a great experience. I remember leaving thinking, ah, these people know what I know, because I had some way in my search come to the conclusion that most of these great religions all taught the same spiritual path. And what was confusing to me, I remember, was that they didn't recognize that. There was something different. Well, yeah, and I think that the most striking at that point was that they recognized the divine nature and teachings of Jesus and Moses and Muhammad and the Buddha and Krishna of the Hindus, and some of the others, Muhammad. And I was just so pleased to hear that, because the other religious meetings I had attended usually had kind of the attitude that their religion was right and the others were not. My experience, at least in my study and reading, did not bear that out. So I was thrilled to find that the Baha'is believed the way they did. And so what did you do with this knowledge that you found? Well, they had these Baha'i meetings, these firesides every Wednesday night. My wife and I attended them regularly, and I started reading some of the Baha'i books, and I invited my young friends to the meetings. They just kind of grew and became a real important 
aspect of our lives. And so within, oh, about three months of attending these meetings, and also we attended some of what they called their summer schools and winter schools, which were like a little retreat where you could go and spend three or four days with the Baha'i people and study together and pray together and have fellowship together. And we went to a couple of these and and, uh, decided that this was where we belonged and we both decided to become Baha'i. And how old were you, Steve, when you made that decision? Well, I was 21, 1973. So it was like a two-year search from the time you were introduced by your friend to uh, Eastern religions to finding the Baha'i faith? Yes. Now, I say Eastern religions just because Judaism and Christianity are more dominant here in in the West, but they too are Eastern Mm -hmm. in their origin. so. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking with Steve Ellis, who's a chiropractic physician who's written many study guides and other materials for the Baha'i faith and has published his first novel, called Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope. So this is your first foray into a published work or published book. Is this true? Well, I published one prior to this called Overcoming Barriers to Unity, and it was uh, an essay on group harmony, and that was published by the National Spiritual Assembly of the Baha'is of Alaska. And that's available, actually, on my website still. So that was my first attempt at really writing something with detail. But this one, Road Trip Home, was the first novel for sure. Mm -hmm. What started you writing in the first place? Well, I didn't think about writing. I didn't consider myself a writer, and I really had no aspirations for that. But in the studies I was engaged in, they would require a written introduction And since I was available to do it, I just did it. Other than, you know, the writing that you required in college, that was about it. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to write a novel? This Baha'i faith, it's such a wonderful spiritual path. And I observed around me a great deal of confusion and chaos. I felt that I needed to make a contribution some way. This was the only way I could think of, is to write out what I thought would be appealing to people and give them a sense of hope and a direction of hope, because I think that's what the Baha'i Faith does. What is the story of Road Trip Home? Well, the story is of a middle-aged man and his family deciding to move from Anchorage, Alaska back to Tai Valley, his home place, which just happened to be based on some of my history. In the storyline, an elder Alaska Native woman wants to ride with me in my big moving van from Anchorage down to the Seattle area in Washington because I'd be going through Seattle. She doesn't like to fly, and she wants to go down and see her family. So I had room in the truck with me because my wife, Sue, was driving a different rig. We had a discussion about it and decided, yeah, that would be great. She also wanted to have a conversation with me about the Baha'i faith over this 10-day period that 
this trip would take, and she wanted to record it so that when we were finished with the trip, it could be published. So that's kind of the context of the story, is that we have this trip together, and in the book, the driver, whose name is Grayson, is not a Baha'i, but Rose, who is the native Alaskan elder, is, and she then conveys the concepts of the Baha'i faith to Grayson over this period of 10 days as they drive the Alcan Highway from Anchorage, Alaska to Oregon. So what kind of topics does Rose cover? The oneness of God, uh, the importance of spirituality and religion in human society, how the Creator has sent forth great teachers and prophets that the Baha'is refer to as manifestations of God, that have brought guidance to the human beings over time. Each one of them at a different time became a major religion, that those major religions are really all chapters of one great book of guidance that God has conveyed to us through these great manifestations. So she tells that story in detail and kind of unfolds it over a period of time and then discusses several teachings in the Baha'i faith that relate to our current social needs. She discusses each one of them in detail. What would those social needs of today be? There's a great need for unity and some kind of a way to overcome the chaos and confusion and conflict that exists among us. These teachings that Baha'u'llah brought, who was the prophet founder of this Baha'i faith, all address the current needs of society. Some of them being, for example, belief in the one true God of creation, the importance of the oneness of all people, that we are all one family, that unity is probably the most important moral value and our highest priority at this particular time. The elimination of prejudice, blind imitation, and superstition that block our ways forward and cause a great deal of pain and conflict among the people. The importance of the harmony of science and religion is vital to moving forward. Equality of men and women, its time has come and long overdue spiritual solution to economic disparity, which is right at the top of the confusion and conflict that exists in our society at this point. So there are a number of spiritual principles that can be applied to the current problems that can help solve them through a spiritual means. I'm speaking with Stephen Ellis, who's a chiropractic physician who's written many study guides and other materials for the Baha'i Faith, and he's published his first novel called Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope, and we've been talking about the story and the principles of the Baha'i Faith that are included in the story. Now, I understand the title Road Trip Home 
but maybe you could explain for us why you chose the subtitle of a high vision of hope and specifically why the word hope well the road trip home of course has two meanings the literal one as well as the spiritual one because for grayson in the storyline it was a road trip home for him too in that he found his spiritual purpose so the subtitle a Baha'i Vision of Hope was the means by which that came about. It gave Grayson hope for his future and his purpose. And of course, in writing it out as the author, that was my purpose as well, as to uh, give people hope about our future, that there is a great vision of hope that we can pursue and there's a means to attain it. And it is a spiritual means balanced with the material means that uh, it is available for us right now and it's underway right now so it's exciting even at my age i'm 68 now and i've been a baha'i for 45 46 years and it's just as exciting today as it was then so steve would you like to read an excerpt from the book sure i would Rose was content to sit still and look out the window. Ten minutes went by before she even moved. Then she reached down into her bag and pulled out a small book with a nice-looking cloth cover. I was unable to see the title. The book had a piece of torn paper sticking out of the top and a nice beaded bookmark. It's going to be a little while before I'm up to talking, she announced as she opened the book. For quite some time, we rode to the hum of that big diesel engine. Rose would read for a while and then close her eyes and sit meditatively before continuing her reading. Finally, she laid the book on her lap, stretched her arms, and shook her hands out a little, then returned the book to her bag. So far, we have had a great discussion, just as I had hoped we would. We have discussed some important truths that I trust will help you embrace the rest of what I have to say. We have discussed the reality of our purpose as human beings. That is, generally, to know and to love, and more specifically, to know and love God. We have explored how our life here in this world is to develop our soul by acquiring and developing spiritual qualities, traits, and virtues. I have shared with you that spiritual guidance has been given to us continuously throughout time and progressively through the ages, by way of the manifestations of God. I pointed out that the manifestations renew the spiritual truths of the past, while simultaneously giving us an expanded and deeper knowledge of ourselves, God and our place and purpose in the universe. Finally, we have seen how acquiring such knowledge provides for a progressive, mature, evolving human condition this is where we are right now. From this point forward, I'm going to share with you the spiritual truths and principles that have been given to us by the latest manifestation of God. Truths specific to our time and age that will help us mature, evolve, and develop individually as souls and collectively as a world society. Are you ready? She looked at me for a response. Yes, I'm with you, I said. Do you have any questions about what I just said, Rose inquired. 
No, I'm good, I responded anxiously. In fact, I was eager to hear what was next. Okay, she said quietly, let me start this way. Now remember, just as a teacher at the beginning of the school year gives you a brief vision of the direction you will be moving towards in your learning, I'm going to do the same at this point. However, what I am going to outline may be difficult to understand at first because it is new. Rose paused as if to measure out her next thought. Each of the manifestations of God who have appeared throughout time had a major theme to their revelation. We might call it an overarching concept that permeates their specific message. Moses emphasized the law of God. Jesus emphasized love each other to love our neighbor as ourselves. Buddha, central theme, were compassion and detachment. Krishna focused our attention on the reflection of God in all things. Muhammad's teaching revolved around the need for submission to the will of God. The latest manifestation of God also has a central theme to his revelation, the spiritual principle most critical to our development as individual souls and collectively as a world community right now in our time is unity. Unity, I repeated in an ethereal tone. Yes, unity. Now let me clarify. The idea of unity has endless implications, but I'm going to define it for you like this. Unity is a heartfelt condition of peace love and harmony in human relations, free of conflict and the struggle for dominance. This spiritual principle permeates all of what I am going to tell you from this point forward. It is the major theme of the most recent revelation of God to the human beings. The application of this spiritual theme will propel humanity's spiritual and material development into a future age. It is by the conscious, constant, and confident application of this spiritual principle in everything we do, making it our highest priority among all things, that will help us deal effectively with all the problems that face us in the modern world. We've been listening to Steve Ellis, who just published his first novel, Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope. Steve... Is that at the beginning of the story? Uh, what you no. Would, how far along has he been on this road trip with Rose to hear what Rose had said? Oh, maybe halfway. So he's been through quite a bit with Rose on different aspects. Yes. So, Steve, where can people find your novel, Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope? Well, they can find it on Amazon, like all other books, just about. You can purchase it there in paperback or Kindle or audiobook. Actually, it's in all three. You can also look at the options on a website at www.stephenellis-author.com. So now that you've gotten this under your belt and you've written your first novel, are you thinking of continuing this pursuit? Yes, I am back to writing again. The interesting thing is, Last May, I retired from my career as a chiropractor after 38 years. I've been playing music for quite some time, and, and I became part of a band that we had to dissolve 
because of coronavirus. So I retired from two careers in the last year. <laughs> Consequential to that, I've had a couple of writing projects that I wanted to complete, but just hadn't got around to them. And now I'm back at it again. So one of them is I'm writing a history of the study process of Baha'i Essentials. There are study guides that I publish on a website called BahaiEssentials.com. The study guide is so unique and its development was so interesting over such a long period of time and a great deal of trial and error with the help of a number of special people, I would say, that I happen to come across. It just is a great story, so I'm in the process of writing that out right now. I have another project underway. It's an exploration of Baha'i leadership. Really, in the Baha'i faith, we don't have leaders, per se. We don't have clergy. All of our administrative system consists of consultative groups. So it's a whole different way of approaching how we get things done, because that's what essentially leadership does, is it usually is a person or a number of persons' responsibility to help a means to an end when a group wants to achieve something, and the leadership is usually a component of it. So uh, the Baha'i Faith offers a really different approach to that. I was elected for five years on the National Spiritual Assembly of the Baha'is of Alaska, which was their governing body in the state of Alaska for the Baha'i Faith. I had not been called to that kind of service before. So I did an in-depth investigation and study of what it meant to be in that position and how you proceed in that leadership and what kind of style was required of us. And so I have probably 90% of that one finished, and I look forward to publishing that mostly for the sake of inspiring conversation about how could we develop a new leadership model in the world and what kind of models are being considered at this particular time and and what do the Baha'i writings say about it. So I do have a couple of things in the works. Well, Stephen Ellis, author of Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope, thank you so much for sharing this time with us and telling us about your novel. I'm happy to do it. Very happy. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stephen Ellis, author of the novel Road Trip Home, A Baha'i Vision of Hope. You can find this interview and other interviews on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on a Baha'i Perspective.
and shall cause the heart of every righteous man to throb.
my life shall never be extinguished. Why dost thou dread extinction? Thou art my glory And my glory fadeth not Thou art my robe And my robe shall Triumphant and effective mind 
Sadness, watching the shoreline. 
She votes for change, but nothing grows from conflict Except the things we hate about ourselves No, they can't pass a law to end indifference No human rights can break us from our shell Cause true freedom is in submission to his commandments And you say, who needs them? But we're all wishing for something more mysterious his lips have disappeared from acting serious And watching all his numbers rise and fall He walks on by me singing in the subway And he plugs his ears, won't listen to me calling out that True freedom is in submission to his commandments And you say, who needs them? But we're all wishing for something more For something more mysterious than them and us True freedom is in submission to his commandments And to say, who needs them? But we're out wishing for something more remarkable than material This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.